previous recording of this episode, yours truly here, recorded on the wrong microphone, and we will splice in a few clips just so you can tell, but there is a real need to re-record this episode, especially as we have our wonderful friend Justin Tunney on the episode today. We wanted to do right by you and make sure you had a good recording. So, without further ado, we are taking a goofy and uh, adorable expedition into the jungle of Charlize Theron's movie career. With me, as always, are Regina Connolly. Hello! And Robin Hitchcock. Hello! And the third member of our junior, as I just previously mentioned, Justin Tunney. Hello again! Yay! The J to our R's. Yes. (laughs) And of course, if you haven't guessed, this this week's movie is Mighty Joe Young. And so, we skipped it last recording. Right. What do we have for One Sound Reviews? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> mine is. Oh, yeah. We both have that little twist. There. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I guess that's three sounds. It works. <laughs> we decidedly use multiple sounds in our one sound reviews. It should really be a one breath review. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised that no one went the gorilla sound route. I actually thought about yeah. that and then I realized I don't know how to do that. I did not want to punch myself in the chest. <laughs> yeah. I was like, guys, I'm committed to this podcast, but not enough to beat myself to get the right. I thought someone might go, ciao. <laughs> <laughs> Which happens a lot. So guys, if you haven't seen this movie and you're interested in watching it, we have a game for you that might kill you. Yes. <laughs> Every time a character says, Joe, 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 Joe. Joe, just do a drink and you'll be dead by the end. Yeah, tiny little sip and you'll still be unconscious. <laughs> I would like, I'm the only one who wants this, but I still want to have a super cut of every time Al Pacino says, Kevin! <laughs> and every time anyone in this movie goes, Joe! <laughs> Not necessarily together, but two things. Well, if you put them together, it might equal a full-length film. Kevin! <laughs> Joe! <laughs> I bet we could get a play out of just those two words. <laughs> so, Justin. Hi. Last time we skipped One Sound Reviews because we were so excited to ask you why you asked to be on this particular episode. Well... It's about a big monkey. <laughs> and it's directly in my wheelhouse. Uh, I like the idea of monster movies and of big, crazy animal movies, but um, typically the drama part of it sort of falls flat for me. I just like the parts with the big animals <laughs> or monsters doing their thing. And uh, also, 
when I was in high school, I had a teacher whose name was Joan Young, and everybody in our class called her Mighty Joan Young. <laughs> I, I had never seen the movie, and she seemed to be fine with it. I don't know if she liked or disliked it. There's no but, way for a teacher to fight a nickname successfully. Yeah, yeah. And that one is really good. It's <laughs> like, so good. It could be a lot worse. Yeah, yeah. So I, in the last recording of this episode, was a big asshole about how gorillas are apes and not monkeys, and then at some point I said monkey myself. So I'm just going to try to let it go this time. It is objectively funnier. It has a hard K in it. <laughs> well, in the last episode, I suggested that we start saying ape key. <laughs> <laughs> and keys are a key plot point, but we'll get to that oh. later. Oh, oh building bad jokes yeah. then. All right, so Justin, you watched this movie over a week ago. Yes. <laughs> You've already described it to us once. Can you do it again? <laughs> oh, I'm ready. All right, I'm going to do my best to remember what happens in this movie. So Joe's a big monkey who lives in the woods. He... <laughs> the end. I just want to point out that I didn't correct him. Today. Oh, God. Are your corrections now going to be your not corrections? <laughs> yes, that is apophysis. Were you also yeah. okay that he said woods and not jungle? <laughs> that seems fine to me. So Joe's a big ape who lives in the jungle. Um, this is apparent from an early age when we see him as a quickly mentioned by Charlize's mom, who looks a lot like Charlize. Such that both Justin and I originally thought it was Charlize in age makeup. Yes, I thought there was some prostheses happening. Correct. Um. But it is actually an actress whose name I didn't put in my notes. You can look her up, but I did want to bring back the fact that she was on a TV show called Robin's Hoods. Ah. <laughs> and that she played a prosecutor named Robin who tried to rehabilitate juvenile offenders. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We just keep making these things. <laughs> <laughs> so Jill Young, a.k.a. Young Charlize, is off in the jungle with her mother, meeting up, who's like a Jane Goodall type figure, and they're meeting up with these uh, gorilla pack. Is it pack? <laughs> it's a, it's a murder of gorillas. <laughs> they're meeting up. A school of gorillas. A business of gorillas. <laughs> a parliament of... Why do we have those words, guys? <laughs> So, Jill is playing with one of the gorillas, the baby gorilla, Baby Joe. The mother even makes a point to say, that couldn't be Joe. That's too big to be Joe. Um, so He's too young to be that size. <laughs> that's any indication of how big Joe might be in the rest of the movie. So, anyway, they're out there with the gorillas. They go back to their camp, or where they live, their home. I don't really know the permanence of it. They're hanging out. All of a sudden, red alert, there's poachers in the jungle. How do we know? Because they're jingle jangling. <laughs> This weird jingly thing. It's like a rope with a bunch of fishing lures on it. Yeah, like imagine like a fishnet that you pulled out of like a dirty beach pier. Just full of all this detritus and like seaweed and nastiness. And every time you touch it, it went jingle, jangle, jingle, jangle. To me, it was a janitor's key ring with a key for every door in the building. <laughs> with a key, like, to, like to a key to all the rooms of hell. But it sounds like too compact if it's a circle. Like if he wore it, it will go down to his knee. Yeah. <laughs> Like all, if he put all of his keys on like a dirty foxtail. <laughs> Guys, if you're wondering why we're talking so much about this, it's going to come back around. This yeah. minor prop is a major plot point. <laughs> so these really terribly, unredeemingly evil poachers are in the woods. They're jingling their jangles. They got their dogs going ape shit. They're searching for gorillas to, I think, 
kill the mother and steal the baby. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we decided on. For unknown reasons. Yeah. Right? Just yeah. It's never totally clear <laughs> what the poacher's motives are. To poach. Be- because, like... <laughs> Poacher's got to poach. They're, they're not rhinos. has got a jangle. Like, they're not rhinos. They're not elephants. So they're not doing it for horn or ivory. I thought they were trying to sell the baby gorilla to a zoo. I think so, but I don't think that zoos buy from poachers. <laughs> I don't know. There are some unscrupulous zoos. But the one thing that I'm very fixated on is that one point they steal a panda and then they sell panda organs. Well, they talk about it. They're like, well, you know how those panda organs move. <laughs> and who is buying panda organs and for what reason? Oh, uh, medicine. Yeah, somebody with a sick panda. Is that a real thing? <laughs> I think, well, don't they, like, often exotic animal parts are used in... I mean, that's what like, rhino horn is used yeah. for. Yeah. Fix your boners. It oh, does yeah. fix your boners. <laughs> according to poachers. It doesn't in real life. Please don't hurt rhinos. Uh, <laughs> so, there's, there's poachers in these woods. And, uh, jingle, jangle, jingle, jingle, jingle. Jingle, jingle, woof, woof. So, Charlize's friend from the camp, or Charlize's mom's friend, somebody who lives there, I don't know, alerts, alerts her to these poachers' presence. They tell baby Charlize to stay there. Uh, she doesn't. She doesn't. She comes, she follows them, but they go into the woods to try to stop the poachers. Not only is Joe Young's mom shot by a poacher, but Jill Young, baby Charlize's mother, prosthetic Charlize, is shot <laughs> by a poacher. And as, as she is laying on the ground dying with her daughter by her side, she makes Charlize promise to watch after Joe. Because that's like, a normal motherly goodbye <laughs> to your daughter. So here's, so here's the thing. So before baby Jill Young gets there, after the poacher kills Joe Young's mother, Joe Young loses his mind for a minute and he jumps on the poacher and he bites off his trigger finger and his thumb. <laughs> Which he exclaims verbally. Yeah, he's like, oh, my trigger finger and thumb are in the mouth of this gorilla. And then says it again later. He does. So Joe bites those off and then runs away. And that's when Jill like holds him. And then the poacher talks about how he just murdered a woman, but they don't care. And then they leave. And we see the mom. And you think that maybe she's okay because they sing a beautiful lullaby together yes called wind song by the composer james horner and i love it and like you listen think, to it like maybe they're gonna be fine and uh but they're not and she makes her daughter swear more than anything to protect joe young the rest <laughs> not like remember i love you no protect your monkey brother <laughs> see i just did it again <laughs> it's gonna happen it's okay <laughs> Uh, we should also mention that the poacher, a uh, head poacher, is Rade Sherbaji. And you may remember him from such fine films as Battle in Seattle when he was very concerned uh, because he worked for the World Health Organization. No, Doctors Without Borders. Yes. yes. Were you going to say his name right? Yes. Rade Sherbegia. Sherbegia. Like, it sounds like sharp edge. Yes. Yeah. Sherbegia. Uh, and he's, guys, he's just so great. I fell in love with Rade Sherbegia a long time ago as a young uh, movie watching lady when he took the stage and said, friends, countrymen, Russians! Because he is a villain in the just Oscar exceeding in its Beauty and Perfection movie, The Saint, starring Val Kilmer and Elizabeth Shue and her weak heart. And he's so good in that. And he is fun in Battle in Seattle. And I just am like, why can't he be in everything? Well, we now want him to be in everything. And he may be our new Keanu. 
We shall see. In the future. He's just great. <laughs> but yeah, he's the bad guy in this movie, and he's immensely wonderful. Yeah, and so he's great. while Jill is holding on to Joe while their mothers are dying, they both overhear Rade saying, That gorilla, that monster, or however he pronounces the word monster. <laughs> I think in... he's trying to say it in French. Okay. Yeah. That he bit off my thumb and drank her finger. <laughs> Which is so specific. Like, you never use that finger for anything else. He's never he's never pointed a day in his life. So we cut <laughs> 12 years into the future and to Bill Paxton, who's up on the very same mountain where Joe once, well, still lives. Um, <laughs> Spoilers, Justin. Uh, Bill's up on, the, up on the mountain. He meets a uh, shady poacher guy. And uh, the Shady Poacher guy is delightful Naveen Andrews. Yes, and I did not recognize him for an extremely long period of time. Until he took off his sunglasses. Correct. (laughs) Yes, once I saw his actual face and then there was another clue, which we'll get to. (laughs) I was really excited and sad to see him in this movie. Excited because I'm glad that these are not the roles that he is currently doing anymore. Yeah. And sad because I was like, oh, this is how you had to start because that's the world we have. Because you're brown. Mm -hmm. So Shady Poacher guy has assembled a crew of equally shady poachers who are posing as legitimate trackers, I guess? They've yeah. hidden all their jingle jangles, yeah, so Bill Paxton <laughs> couldn't possibly tell that they're poachers. All their jingle jangles are secured and not jingling or jangling. <laughs> so Bill Paxton goes, are you sure these guys aren't poachers? And he goes, oh, no, no, these guys are the best. So they go, where do you want to go? Bill Paxton points up to the peak of the mountain. I want to go up there. Oh, us non-poachers don't really like to go up there on account of the legend of the giant gorilla that lives up there (laughs) and protects this mountain. Paxton's like, yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Let's go. And so they go, they go up to the top of the mountain in Jeeps. The shady poacher crew catches a leopard of some sort. That's correct. We don't see them catch it. We just see them carry it in on like a palaquin. They're like, oh, it's our emperor leopard. (laughs) (laughs) They've rigged up some sort of like cage with sticks (laughs) <laughs> going through it. But they carry in this leopard and they're like, we could get $3,000 for this leopard. And I feel like leopards cost more than that. But this was 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Bill Paxton was like, boom, I want some blood. Now let it go. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Paxton is, for reasons unexplained, collecting jungle animal blood. Because he's a doctor. But he's very unspecific. At one point, he's like recording with like a, a microphone and Naveen Andrews asks him, what are you listening to? And he goes, Sounds. <laughs> I'd be like, all right, all right, wise ass. So the fact that he's collecting just blood for no reason is gets more specific than listening Can to sounds. Can you imagine when they ask, "What are you collecting?" Blood. <laughs> <laughs> mm, you're hired, doctor. <laughs> so suddenly, with the imprisoned leopard near them, <laughs> the, the trees shake in the distance. Uh, and it looks like the smoke monster on Lost, which is why I partially was able to recognize yeah. Naveen Andrews. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the tree shaking was pretty cool. It was cool. Yeah, it looked, yeah. They had they had a whole crew out there actually shaking the <laughs> yeah. trees. And you're a professional order. fake tree lover. That's true. This is yeah. your wheelhouse. Is, I, I make fake trees. You speak tree. I speak tree. They <laughs> understand me. So Yeah, if a fake tree maker says woods instead of jungle, we know it's legit. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And if you're impressed with their movement, then... That's, that's realistic. <laughs> so Mighty Joe Young, his namesake apparent, comes <laughs> barreling out of the jungle. He's cruising on all fours, freaking out. Bill Paxton is amazed. Everybody else is terrified. He comes over and he 
whips some cars around. He tears open the cage and sort of tosses it at Bill Paxton. And luckily, he gets out of the way. The he, leopard, like, totally gives him a thumbs up. Yeah. Like, thanks, Glenn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> the leopard uh, scurries off into the jungle. He, uh, and, on, and on Joe's way out, he has a little attitude. He, like, kind of hits the car in, like, a mean <laughs> way. As in, like, yeah. don't fuck with me kind of way. Yeah, he definitely has the you son of a bitch moment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so Paxton's immediately like, we must give chase. And everybody else is like, no way am I ever dealing with that thing ever again. And he goes, I'll triple your pay. And they go, all right, we'll do it. And so they get in their semi-destroyed Jeeps and they chase after <laughs> Joe Young up the mountaintop. Um, they're shooting weird chain guns at him. <laughs> they're uh, clamping on to him. They, Joe is destroying stuff. They basically use scorpions like <laughs> superpower from Mortal Kombat <laughs> to hook on to him. <laughs> Like, it just shoots out and magically clamps right on his moving gorilla leg. Uh. <laughs> it, just, it doesn't really do much to Joe in any way. He just kind of flips the cars around with it. Like he I think uses yeah, the he, like, chain. drags it. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He, he uses the chain to clothesline the Jeep, which yes. uh, just fills Bill Paxton's face with wonder that he could <laughs> yeah. use a tool. Well, it's very Raven-y. I liked that part. Mm. Very what? Raven-y. Like, you know, ravens can, like, solve puzzles oh, and write yeah. books and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I thought like that TV show that's so Raven like that's Raven and I was like I don't know what that show is or what that means that show is about opening things with rocks oh okay <laughs> it's about using a stick to get termites out of a mound <laughs> so I, I wanted to touch on the scene <laughs> Robin needs to laugh that out <laughs> I'm good I gotta take someone to the airport in an hour we gotta go so, there's one thing I wanted to touch on the scene because this is a, 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 a it's made in a period where Disney hadn't quite found its formula for live action movies yet. And so there's no. Refound, like, refound. They clearly had it back in like the parent trap era. Um, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I, 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 haven't, I haven't really watched that. But, but like, it's not like Pirates of the Caribbean polished. Like, Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. has a similar kind of myth behind it. And like, you see like glimpses of it and like, oh, maybe it's real, maybe, but no one really believes it. Everyone thinks it's silly. And then you have the, the, the turn, like the dramatic scenes, like, you best start believing in ghost stories, blah, blah, blah. Right. Right? But that never happens in this movie. No. Everyone just already kind of believes in Joe Young. And the, like, they allude to, oh, it's a legend, but you know, I wouldn't need to go after a legend. I would, I kind of like, and everyone just kind of already thinks it's real. Yeah. And then he just bursts from the, the bush and you're like, oh, I guess he's, he is a giant gorilla. There is no. no I was fuss. cool with that. Get to the good stuff. This well, movie like, is a A to B to C. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. A, thing said, a thing is said, a thing happens, and then we move on to the next thing. But there's like a missed opportunity for a turn there. There's no like. You love your turns. I do. There, but there was, there was no equivalent like, you'd best start believing in giant gorillas. Or anything. It was just. There is a giant gorilla already existing. To be fair, there are a lot of missed opportunities in this movie. Yeah, it is not an airtight vessel of cinematic perfection. <laughs> so yeah. So everyone else is 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 over this uh, gorilla experience, other than Bill Paxton, who continues to chase after Joe into the woods on foot on his own. He catches up with him. Joe picks him up and shakes him by the leg like a school bully looking for lunch yes! money. <laughs> and drops him on his head a couple times, and Charlize finally comes in and saves the day. Uh, we'll, we'll by going. By going. Joe! <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Paxton wakes up in the jungle hospital. Says, oh, I saw a, a, I saw the god gorilla out in the woods and a beautiful woman. And uh, Charlize's mom's friend is there. And he's like, no, you're you're silly. No way. He's like, you hit your head really hard, yeah. buddy. <laughs> 
I know what I saw. So then he, he comes outside <laughs> and the beautiful woman that they were trying to like gaslight him into thinking that that incident hadn't happened. She's like, well, I'm right here though. Yeah. <laughs> so flimsy excuse did not work. And he basically instantly convinces her to he, give him Joe. He's basically like now all the poachers saw him. So yeah. everyone is coming. And Charlize has a weird run in with poachers where she's like, I'm going to use my don't do it voice. And that will be enough for you to not hunt down this magnificent Joe Young. And then she uh, realizes maybe that's not going to work. And immediately we cut to California. Right. Because Bill Paxton's like, I've got an animal reserve. And she's like, well, we cannot face the poachers. Yeah. But, and it happens very quickly. And this we don't see how they manage to transport this. How big is he, guys? 2,000 pounds, right? 15 feet tall. That's right. They mention it a lot. <laughs> that would be a more reasonable drinking game. Yeah. <laughs> For the kids in the room. Yeah. the weight of the gorilla. Yes. <laughs> so, cut to America. Charlize is amazed. She hasn't seen, uh, she doesn't, she doesn't understand what buildings are. She, <laughs> or that nice apartments aren't cages. <laughs> um, Joe is in the back of uh, a sized up horse carrier that you would see on the highway. <laughs> He's waving at little kids on the highway. He's, they wave back! <laughs> they wave back. And then they arrive at the strangely un unsafe looking preserve. The <laughs> low security preserve with a low electric fence that they eventually end up putting Joe in. Did anyone else think that where they put Joe looked like the front of a fancy house? Where it was like, that's the lawn of a celebrity's home and this is the fence where they're keeping out the riffraff on their TMZ tour. I did not think that, but you've convinced me. <laughs> they do mention that there's more room like back behind it into the woods. When but... they had a, or they're like, back there where we have more of a budget to build a beautiful right. space. <laughs> yeah. It's there, trust us. <laughs> yeah, it looks pretty flimsy. So there's, there's a great a series of shots when Joe gets out of the container. Yes. <laughs> so they're trying to get Joe to come out of the truck, and Charlize is the only one who can get him to do it by waving a flashlight in his face, and then he comes out, <laughs> and then it's it sounds also so a plot true. point. That's, that's, Major plot point. Yeah, yeah, that's not me making a sarcastic shorthand for what happened. She literally is like, "Mag light, come on, man!" And he's he comes out, and then we have this like ridiculous shot of not just one person's reaction of being like, "Oh, giant two thousand pound fifteen foot gorilla," but. Four? <laughs> like consecutively. And it's the it's done in the style of the uh, like the vertigo jaws shot where it like pulls out and zooms in simultaneously to compress perspective. But it also does that while craning up. So it's this super complicated shot that takes place four times like in the space of two seconds. It's really bizarre. And We're gonna create not, a visual aid for It's you not guys. the first time that we've seen Joe. So you'd think that that shot right. would make sense where it's like none of the audience has seen this majestic gorilla yet. Right. But we have. We saw him clothesline people and generally uh, shake a man by his ankle. So for <laughs> to have this belated like everyone super surprised it's like well we're not because we were already there. Right. So I, should, I think we should pause for a moment and talk about how Joe actually does look really good. Yeah. So it's primarily an animatronic monkey created by Rick Baker and then also some CGI, which CGI caught Bob. I think the CGI is pretty good. Like, it's not, you can definitely tell the difference. Yeah. He's definitely, like, grayer in CGI. Yeah. Um, but he looks pretty good. And, like, the, com the composite, like, a lot of it is done by, like, man in monkey suit then composited in to look big. Yeah. And that all looks fine. And the face is like really well done. Yeah. Like the, the animatronic monkey face is great. But it, and they use the CGI very sparingly. So it's only really when 
he's like running or like moving very deftly in some kind of wide shot. Like later on, he climbs up something, and you see, and that's a big special effects shot. And then when he's running in the in, with the chase that just happened in the pl- like outside the plains of the jungle, that was all CGI. But basically, it all looks pretty good. Like, so no citations issued. Oh. Don't steal a joke from Regina in the original recording. Oh. <laughs> but I also will say, in the original recording we did Ebert and Ebert, I'm just gonna splice that in. Because you won't believe me how good I got them. <laughs> In fact, let's take a listen to that right now. Okay, I have an Ebert or Mebert for us. All, all. right. Okay, Ebert or Mebert. As computer-generated effects become more and more popular, there's a strange comfort in looking at something you could actually touch. Uh, Ebert. I'm going to also say Ebert. Three for three, Ebert. Oh, it's a Mebert! Oh, shit! <laughs> yeah, sweet Jeff. Wow, well, that was great. Oh, oh man, we were dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb, so naive. <laughs> <laughs> so Joe immediately does not take to the sanctuary. No, he doesn't like it. Oh, but one thing that was great about the sanctuary, we did talk about how crappy the location is. How delightful is it that Regina King is a doctor there? It's oh, always delightful great. when Regina King does anything. Yeah, she's once, exceptionally good in this. Yeah, she's really charming uh, in this movie. And she has such like a, a relatively minor character, but every time she's on screen, it's like a ray of sunshine. Right. And she also in some ways feels like the most normal person, because yeah. Bill Paxton is like, I need blood, and I'm listening to sounds, and I'm... <laughs> and Charlize is just like, Joe, Joe. And then the other character is a giant gorilla, and Regina King's like... I'm a person who reacts to this situation in a normal way. Yeah. And then she's also with the, I think, chief doctor at the facility, David Paymer. Yes. Who's he, like a bumbling idiot. Yeah, oh, he's, he's the middle manager guy. Uppity, uh, yeah, he's the stereotypical, like, anal admin guy. Yeah. yeah, like, he's not the person who runs the foundation, but he's everyone there's boss, and he's right. always, like, interfering when necessary. And it's, it is a pretty major plot point that Charlize was given a guarantee by Bill Paxton that she has full say over what Joe, over all decisions regarding Joe. And but, her decisions are things like, don't electrify the fences around him. Do not sedate the right. 15 foot tall, 2,000 pound ape as we move him out of the big horse truck. All you need to do is let me stand there and have a flashlight and say, Joe, <laughs> I've got a mag light and good humor. What else do you need? <laughs> So she immediately butts heads with uh, the head doctor, middle manager guy. Mm-hmm. So uh, like she, he's like, you don't have control, toots. And she doesn't <laughs> until later Joe is like bugging out over something. And he is terrified because he's trying to show the head of the foundation how great it is that they have this giant gorilla for fundraising reasons. And he's terrified. He thinks that Joe's going to rip his head off. And Charlie's like, he's just playing hide and seek with you. That's what he loves to do. Yeah, there's a sequence where like the alarm goes off or like people are like, reacting to whatever ruckus Joe is causing and they her and Bill Paxton run to the scene of what's going on and for what feels like already the fourth time in this movie they have to like tell people not to point guns at Joe <laughs> right probably the fourth time he's played hide and seek so far in the movie there's right. a lot of hiding and seeking <laughs> right so then that, that's the kind of thing that's like oh this is that's gonna be a thing throughout this movie but yeah so he's playing hide and seek because he was jealous and, like, wanted to show off to uh, the head of the foundation. And she's like, don't be afraid of him. Just jump out and say, you found me. And the the head of the foundation, not the middle manager, is like, that girl's a wonder. She's in charge now. And he'll stick by that decision until it becomes inconvenient to the plot when he'll reverse the decision later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
This is when Mr. Leatherfinger shows back up. <laughs> <laughs> so, to explain that, there is, we see Rade, the evil poacher, in his poach haven, where he has animals running around, and people think they're bringing their animals to a good sanctuary, but really their organs are being harvested secretly. Yeah, in a 12-year uh, gap, he's upgraded from poaching his own animals to having other people just bring them to his fake sanctuary. He's yeah. a fence for animal parts. Right. Yeah. And he sees Joe and Charlize on TV, he's like... I think that's the gorilla that ate my thumb and trigger finger. And he pulls out a black leather thumb and trigger finger that he straps onto his hand. And I wrote down specifically that I think that uh, his evil thumb is my favorite moment in all of film history. The moment that that goes onto his hand, I was like, ah, what a villain you have. So yeah, he shows up at the sanctuary in order to pitch... To just just bumping into Charlize by accident, showing pitching. Hey, I knew your mom. Not true. He killed her. Well, uh, so he knew her <laughs> in some way. He knew her to shoot her in the back. Yeah. <laughs> I run a preserve that might be better for Joe, and Charlize buys it. Right. He also is like, I have a preserve in Africa because this whole country or this whole movie <laughs> yeah. is like Africa. Let's just use that synonymously. Oh, he says it's in Botswana. Oh, yeah. oh that's the that that's is the actually one. literally the only time they use any specific geography in Africa. Okay, because where Charlize lives before and where oh, Joe no. lives before, it's just a place and. <laughs> Based on the fact that they're speaking Swahili, mm-hmm. which, by the way, none of the Swahili is subtitled ever. It just says, speaking Swahili. <laughs> <laughs> and that there are gorillas there, it's probably somewhere around, like, Rwanda, Burundi. Okay. So, I used to live in Africa, guys. <laughs> no big deal. So, the head of the foundation is wanting to hold a fundraiser with Joe as the centerpiece. And a banana tower. (laughs) (laughs) So, but before the fundraiser happens, the the evil henchman of Rade goes to Joe and he's like, I want to test something out here. A jingle jangle and Joe loses his fucking mind. Uh, And they're basically like, that gorilla remembers who shot his mom. Yeah. It's me. And Charlize is on the beach with Bill Paxton when this is happening. Going on a date, it seems. And she's never even on a date or before. Or kissed anyone, because there were no men in her ambiguous place in Africa, except and for there totally were. And she was, but she was busy hanging out with Joe yeah. all the time. And uh, Bill Pax and her are having a very heated discussion about what love is like. And it's so gross. Because when she was trying to get him to swear to let her be in charge of Joe, she was like, there's a local ritual where you have to get bit by a poisonous spider, and there's fever, and chills. And then you hallucinate and you do crazy things and blah, blah, blah. And Bill Paxton's like, that sounds like a lie. And she's like, you're smart. I trust you. But here on the beach, she's like, what's love like? And Bill Paxton is like, well, there's fever and you get chills and you do crazy things. And you realize that's the only reason they put that in the movie. Yeah. And they're about to lock lips, but somebody gets a page that says, it's her. Yeah. Joe's in trouble. <laughs> but I also just want to pause and talk about how Bill Paxton is 20 years older than Charlie Theron and it's creepy and gross. Yeah. So <laughs> moving along. So she is like, OMG, my buddy Joe is so upset. We cannot have a fundraiser. And the head of the foundation is like, that sounds inconvenient to the plot. We will have it anyway. <laughs> and we cut to the fundraiser. And there is in the background a giant banana tower. And <laughs> so Charlize, many bananas, guys. <laughs> Charlize is embarrassed that everyone is looking at her looking amazing in her dress. And Bill Pax is like, they're not looking at you. They're looking at a banana tower. <laughs> Which I don't know if that's a metaphor for the number of boners. 
murders that she's causing in that room. Ew! <laughs> that seems like a dirty joke for a Disney movie. But upon seeing that, I just was like, I want all high-end gallus to include just a rotten tower of a fly-attracting fruit at all times. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about it. Like, for Arcade Grand Opening, I'm like, how many bananas can I get in that space? Yeah. What variety of ripeness can we get to get a nice ombre look? <laughs> so Charlize comes into this ball in this in beautiful floor-length white gown with black in the back, and it's stunning, and she's got little pin curls, and this is my Charlie Zenith, because she is just so glamorous, and it's shallow, but I can't help it. That is the moment in the movie where I'm the most like, oh, Charlize, she's a movie star. Yeah. It's also one of the one of the parts where it's like, oh yeah, she is able to beat everyone at their own game. Like yeah. she is without experience, she is the fanciest person at the fancy party. Yeah, and like she's very tough in the face of the poachers. Like she yeah. is able to, she is better at everything than everyone who is supposed it's to be good true. at it. I'm gonna believe that Regina King took her shopping and was like, I'm gonna make sure you look good for this. That would be an amazing. That would be good. Scene. Yeah. <laughs> so there's also a really beautiful moment here where a an old woman says she. Reminds me of someone, and then the old man who's with her says, "You when you were younger." Okay, so a ah, but then you find out that the woman is played by Terry Moore, who played Jill Young in the original movie, mm-hmm. and the man is Ray Harryhausen. That's pretty great. Yeah. Well, Regina, he was uh, kind of like the pioneer of stop motion effects. Okay, so they do not have a relation. Mm, I I don't know. Okay. I think he worked on the original. Oh, that's the name. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. that's what I meant. Okay. So, uh, Evil Leatherfinger happens to be at this gala posing as a benefactor, and his henchman wanders out to Joe's cage and starts jingling that jangle. <laughs> <laughs> and Joe does not react well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, he tears through the, the, the weird tent where they're holding this gala, and just really starts tearing shit up. Uh, yeah, he hospitalizes 12 people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which really they say badly. fairly flippantly. Yeah, but they're like, don't worry, everyone's still on the ape side, except for the people who maybe are in the hospital. Right. But he sees Rada and he's like, I am going to kill the man who shot my mom. Yes. And very, with hatred and purpose in his yeah, eyes. Yeah, gorillas ha- understand the concept of revenge. <laughs> <laughs> he's stepping on people's legs. He's knocking people aside. As much as Charlize yells, Joe, it is not Joe, effective. The batteries Joe. in her flashlight must be out. Yeah, yeah. that's not working. She couldn't fit it in her dress. Yeah. This is why we make dresses with pockets. <laughs> <laughs> so as she's about, as Joe is about to... Oh. oh, wait, I do think it's important to note that at the gala, the head of the foundation is like, well, everyone, we're pleased to introduce you to Mighty Joe. And then the girl, like, rips her, he's like, we will not have a titular <laughs> You're better than that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do this to me. So as Joe goes to murder Leatherfinger, he is shot with several tranquilizer darts and taken down. Uh, but also a human is shot with one of those tranquilizer darts. <laughs> and I feel like that might kill him. Well, yeah. I think it's because it took so many tranquilizer darts to take Joe down. That they I did the be. math. It took six. Joe is a 2,000 pound gorilla. So that guy's probably less than a tenth of Joe's weight. Maybe because Joe lived in the mountains, he's got blood untouched by drugs. So it only takes a very low dose. He's got no tolerance. And those... that man's a city man. So he's been drinking like city water and that's got all those prescription drugs. <laughs> is all in it. So, like, his tolerance is through the roof. 
as opposed to all those junky gorillas that <laughs> yeah. the, the tranquilizers are designed to work on. But also maybe like Joe's just like in fighting weight, so like the slightest thing, you know, like he's like a microchip and he's got greatest sand in it. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> My Chris Green. Yeah. Alright. Well, you've convinced me. Hey, I'm so I, glad that guy's okay. I am just as good a scientist as sound listening man. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Bill Paxton. Who does, in the film, call the ape a monkey. Yes. More yeah. than once. So, I think it just cuts to Joe being imprisoned underground mm-hmm. in some strange room in this sanctuary, seemingly designed to imprison a giant monkey. Uh, Charlize is down there pissed off that Joe's even there. They, they insist on trying to break him out, and they devise a plan to do so, involving unknown evil Leatherfinger. So, uh, everybody on the sanctuary works together to get Joe on out of there. And basically, Rada had planted the seed of, hey, Joe probably isn't going to work out here, and I've got a place for you to go. And then he ensures that Joe does have a place to work out there, because he uses Jingle Jangle for nefarious reasons yet again. And so basically, like, he is saying, like, I'll help get Joe free. So when they break him out of prison, they bring him to Rade's truck. Yes. And we are quickly glossing over, though. This included Bob's so, Charlie yeah, Zenith. My Charlie Zenith was the moment when Charlie's is inexplicably wearing a Starfleet uniform in this underground gorilla cage. Well, it would look silly if she was still wearing her ball gown. I know, but she also has other clothes. Like, she has a regular costume in this. That's which true. Is she has her jungle shorts and tank top. A beautiful variety of halter tops. Yes. Remember halter tops, guys? <laughs> So yeah, so she's bizarrely wearing this uniform, which no one else in the movie ever wears. It's not like she's wearing like a zookeeper's uniform. Or yeah. That. It's just a random gold Starfleet uniform shows up. Uh, and she has this impassioned speech about how they have to let him out, blah, blah, blah. Her eyes are red ringed and weepy. It's what my previous Charlie Zenith was all about. So yeah, that's my uh, peak Charlie's moment for this movie. My Charlie Zenith, we've already skipped over. At some point, she's given an apartment and she's like, oh, it's like a cage for me. And she's settling into Western civilization and she sees on the television a man getting his bald spot spray painted essentially, with that product that's like, you won't look bald with this stuff on your head. And she's like, partly looking out the window and partly looking at the TV, and she has this like weird play of like, oh, you fragile masculine people. Like, she's just like, this is weird, but also funny, and then she gazes out the window lovingly, and I just think that she conveys a lot of meaning in that silent look. I really wish that that product had been used in the movie in order to get a human to impersonate a gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> like, this missed opportunity! <laughs> Yeah, I'm telling you, it's, this is the movie's a sieve. There are places they could have added things. <laughs> so that was also Justin Charlie Zenith, and I think I'll just uh, cut in his original description of okay. that moment. You don't want me to get into it? Let's, <laughs> I, let's listen to that now. Do you have a Zenith? I was also going to say the spray on hair thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud. When you, when you mentioned it, I was like, I'm not the only one who clocked the beauty of that moment. <laughs> well, I guess my other one, since you already did that one. Uh, I would say just any long look between Charlize and Joe. I yeah. think maybe have a little more sexual tension than <laughs> Charlize and Bill Paxton. Like, there are a couple times yeah. I'm like, she must have fucked that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Still rings true to this day. <laughs> there is sexual tension between them. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> so, they're busting Joe out. They get him into the truck with the help middle manager bumbling guy. Saves the day. He he tells somebody a lie so that they can get them out on time. Yeah, he comes through for them. Charlize grossly kisses Bill Paxton for the yeah. first time. Super <laughs> gross. <laughs> um, a spider bite would have been less gross to watch. <laughs> <laughs> she gets into the big 18-wheeler with Leatherfinger and his henchmen, and they drive off. 
and suddenly, two <laughs> bumbling reserve employees, they're real stoner types, show up with a box of stuff left at the gala, and they pull out the Dingle Jangle. <laughs> <laughs> and it is Jingle Jangling. And, and Bill Paxton goes, where did you get that? And, oh, this is just a big box of stuff left at the gala, man. <laughs> and Bill Paxton goes, I think he says verbatim, poachers use that. He does. <laughs> and so he snatches the jangle. He gets into his pickup truck and starts chasing after the 18 wheel. Uh, there's now a chase scene through Hollywood. They're, they're cruising down Hollywood Boulevard. Charlize then realizes through a series of, I think, just evil conversation. Yeah. Looking at his leather. <laughs> yeah. And she sees his leather hand and he explains that a monster bit off his thumb and trigger finger. And then she remembers. Yeah, it flashes back. Yeah. yeah in case you guys have forgotten what happened an yeah. hour ago. Yeah, we have a flashback showing a puppet monkey gnawing down on his hand. Also, full disclosure, when I first saw this movie, I thought that Joe was going to be like a super intelligent ape because. Because of the blood that he had eaten when he bit off the finger. <laughs> that, like, it missed opportunity. I, I mean, look. <laughs> I feel like there are other things. I mean, he does clothesline that Jeep. He does. So, he's pretty intelligent. Yeah, he's very... He, that's so raven. What I was going to say is that Charlize does a really great acting job in this scene. You know, it's like kind of a cheesy moment. But, like, she really plays the terror of realizing that you're sitting next to the person who killed your mother and mm-hmm. that he has control over you and your best friend. And he definitely plans to kill your best friend. Correct. Yep. Correct. So that's, it's, it's a really emotionally effective scene. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised with that scene because I made a note, I was like oh, hubris is surely about to play a part. Thinking yeah. she, the only way she could find out was by him bragging about, or like, you know being like, aha, I've got you now, kind of thing. Yeah. And then it, that didn't actually happen. Like, she figured it out in ways that were less contrived than that. I mean, he probably should have avoided mentioning the specifics. He should have just been like, oh yeah, thrasher accident. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but then just you also born had, that way. You also had Bill Paxton chasing them down as well. Yeah. So I was like, I was pleasantly surprised that there was a solid internal logic yeah. behind the discovery. <laughs> so yeah, Paxton is cruising behind them down Hollywood Boulevard. He's beeping and beeping. He's got the jingle jangle out the window screaming, poachers use this. Um, uh, <laughs> Charlie is... He's got a PowerPoint about what poachers are. <laughs> <laughs> What's bad about them and their impact playing? Charlize, at that time, also realizes that she's in the car with a murderer. She whaps the dude in the face, is hanging on to the side of the 18-wheeler, it falls out, Paxton picks her up, and then, um, <laughs> this is when shit gets real. Um, uh, um, Let's just play for a moment the original recording of that. <laughs> and he, like, punches his way out of the thing and climbs out, and that's when... It gets real. Oh. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow, I said it better then. It was It was real then, and it's real now. Oh, it feels so real. Joe, and he's loose on Hollywood Boulevard. He's amusing. He, he's both scaring and winning over bystanders at the same time. Yeah, there's like a, a series of sequences where like the crowd is like horrified, but then like, aw, look at that guy. <laughs> like at some point, Joe uh, sets off a car alarm and he's very mad at the this car alarm. This is probably my favorite scene in the film. And he's like, and he's, every time he smashes it, like the next sound cycle of the car alarm then comes on and he's very upset about it and he like folds it up and he sits on it and finally it stops. And then to remind you that this movie was made in the 90s, a crowd person looks up and goes, that's fat. <laughs> the age. And so again, like the crowd is like, no, look at that ape. 
everyone hates car alarms. Right. And then also, in the original recording, Regina said, cars, that's where keys go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I will. Let's listen to that now. I think he's like cars. I think that's where key rings go. And we all know how I feel about key rings. <laughs> They jingle jangle! (laughs) (laughs) And then he finds a car full of blonde women. He's like, are they Jill? But they are not. And at first they think, I don't know, a 2,000 pound, 15 foot gorilla might kill them. But then they're just like, oh. And they end up being like, we're enjoying the ride as he throws our car around. Also, I think they were a little bit like, they were flirting. Yeah. (laughs) Jill, watch out. They're muscling in. And then Joe decides to buy a ticket at the Chinese theater. (laughs) It really looks like he is politely asking for a ticket. And the woman in the ticket booth is like, scream! (laughs) Student discount? (laughs) Joe climbs the theater, pounds on his chest, belts out his gorilla sound. The way that gorillas are wont to do. Of course. So then he takes off into LA. He's following a shining light in the sky, like a searchlight. Uh, at an amusement park because he's equating it to Charlize's Maglite uh, <laughs> off in the distance. And he is uh, chased by helicopter to the L.A. River. Yeah, the world's worst snipers. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that while this scene in the L.A. River was happening, I just chose to believe that earlier in the day, because that scene is actually takes place in the day, that that's where the team of Thousand and John Connor were having a moment with each other. <laughs> and it was just like a very busy day for that section. And we had a question for High on Film. Yeah, shout out to High on Film or any other listeners we may have in Southern California. Is there ever water in the L.A. River? Like a significant amount of water. Thanks. We're pausing for an answer like you're going to tell us right now. Yeah, it's like on Blue's Clues. (laughs) There was one reviewer on IMDb that was like, anyone who lives in L.A. knows that this setup doesn't work at all. The Hollywood, that spot on the L.A. River, and the amusement park are nowhere near each other. And it wouldn't take that short amount of time for Joe to get there. Okay, you're acting like, oh, get over yourself. But, like, ever watch the movie Striking Distance with the room of Pittsburghers because they will tear that apart. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you've suspended your disbelief for 15 foot tall, 2,000 pound gorilla, but the geography of LA is really where you draw the line. Ah, the double jump rule. Shout out to John Feitner. So, uh, Joe evades helicopters by hiding under a bridge mm-hmm. and continues his Because no one looks up when they're searching. Not even in a helicopter. That's what the klutz books taught me as a kid. (laughs) (laughs) That people don't like to duck or look up, so hide high or hide low. So Charlize and and Bill Paxton figure out that, oh, he's chasing the, he's heading towards that light because it's a flashlight. And they all kind of convene, including Leatherfinger, who also somehow figured it out at this amusement park. And so (laughs) Joe comes Busting into the amusement park, as he does with everywhere he goes. He He's, can't just mosey. Yeah. He has to bust. <laughs> Busting makes him feel good. <laughs> so, in some way, the whole place catches on fire. I it's feel a very like mild fire, though. Like, it's not, like, backdraft style. Like, it's around the Ferris wheel, and there is flames, but it's not, like... Did you say it's mild fire? Yeah, like, it's like a, there's a fire. It's not, like, a walls of flame. But, like, so, for example, remember the fire scene in that movie with Robert De Niro that I hated? 15 minutes. Like, that fire was, like... I was, like, backdraft? Peril fire. Uh, and yeah. this fire is more, like, set dressing fire. Yes. Until yes. a key moment. And we see Bill Paxton sort of, like, using a fire extinguisher on it. But, like, the flames are, like, waist tight. That's all I'm trying to say. Yes, okay. And also, his fire extinguishing skills are very subpar. Yeah, he's just sort of, like... Doo, doo, 
doop. I'm still talking, but not yeah, because it does zero effect. He also um, immediately tries to take some sort of leadership position in evacuating all these people. <laughs> like he's like, "Get over there! We gotta find Joe." And I'm like, "Who is this guy? Get a haircut. <laughs> Date women your own age." <laughs> but so at the amusement park, Poacher McPoacher is there, and he and Joe have a run-in with each other. And Joe picks him up, throws him into some power lines. He's electrocuted. Brutally. Brutally, very brutally, and falls onto the whole Transformer, and it's implied that he's burned to death. I'm cool with it. Yeah, and and so is Charlize. She's like, Joe just killed him. Yeah, <laughs> you. It, there might as well have been like like people at the fair might have might as well have like gathered and applauded. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, that guy seemed real evil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he didn't put his keys on a singular ring. Fuck that guy. So as all this chaos was happening, a big ado made about these this kid getting on the Ferris wheel. His his mom goes, "I'm gonna go get some." Popcorn or something. I don't yeah, know why. He's, I he's, he's like, he's like, he's throw up. Right. Yeah. She gets sick on the ride, and so he's like, "Mom, get away from me! I don't want to go on the ride without you." And she's like, "I'm gonna get food. I will up. nurture you." Woo. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's exactly what she sounded like. <laughs> As he is on the ride, that's when it catches on fire, and he is. Stirred. He's the only kid who doesn't manage to get evacuated, and, and he's right at the fucking top. <laughs> yeah, he's dead center at the very top of the Ferris wheel. I'm like the Ferris wheel itself is not burning, but you know how it's on like a square platform. Like instead of having a fabric skirt around it, it has like a little fire all around yes. it. So Joe now realizes that there is a child trapped on this burning Ferris wheel. That's he's so raven. He deduces it. He figures it out. Um, he cottons on. <laughs> he, he climbs up this Ferris wheel for this child. Everybody's like, Joe, Joe, Joe. He climbs up the Ferris wheel for this child. He rescues him in his arms as he's rescuing him. Presumably the weight of the 2,000 pound gorilla <laughs> brings the Ferris wheel tumbling down. He lands in such a way that the child is left completely unharmed. But Joe appears to be dead. And Charlize comes to him, and she realizes that her maybe love is dead. <laughs> Brother or lover, or both. Can't tell. And she is very upset, and I actually took a note where I was like, hey, I'm so glad that the gorilla is just dead. Because, like, he's dead for a while, and I was glad that they didn't have a, like, let's make eye contact, and the gorilla doesn't learn how to speak, and is like, take care of Bill Paxton for me. <laughs> or, like, whatever other terrible choice they could have made. And as my note just ended being created, his heart and his eyes flutter, and he He's not dead because it is a Disney movie. She sang the lullaby to him. She sings the whole lullaby, so he's dead for that long. <laughs> and then he wakes up, which, as Bob said in the original recording, it ironically has the opposite effect yeah. that yeah. it's intended to do. <laughs> oh, Bob. What did I say? I also, like, I think that in this moment, this was my almost Charlie Zenith because this is a dumb movie, guys. I'm, I assume that you this can tell This is exactly this. the moment in the original recording where you were like, guys, this is a dumb movie. Guys, this movie is dumb. <laughs> if you guys can't have gathered from listening to all this, this movie is dumb. It's dumb and it is dumb. But when Charlize was like, very upset about Joe dying and crying and wanting him back. I, uh, my eyes uh, watered up. I was yeah. like, oh, this is this is emotionally affecting. Yes. Yeah. But when she was sobbing over this money, I was like, emotionally affected. <laughs> I was with this movie because I think this movie is emotionally effective all the way through. Yeah. And I was with it right up until the end 
when the insane contrivances start happening. So Child rescue being the first. But then something truly amazingly stupid happens. (laughs) It's a wonderful life kind of situation (laughs) where they're like, well, what are we going to do now? Joe can't stay here. We've costed hundreds of thousands of dollars of property damage. (laughs) Right. Actually, they don't bring that part up, but it's true. Yeah. But how do they fix it? Little kid who was just rescued is like, like, I got money for Joe. Here's my 19 cents. And then the police officer's like, I've got a dollar. And four dollars later, we cut to them back in nondescript Africa. (laughs) On a beautiful sanctuary. With a sign. And it literally says, with the money we the people gave for Joe, we were able to buy a sanctuary. Which I'm assuming is the whole fucking mountain. Because that's where he lived before. How much money did the people at that fairground have? Also, like, international land contract? That seems like it's going to take more than a day. Now I'm wondering if Rada's fake sanctuary actually had land and if it was like seized by the state and then they were like cool take it but I thought I thought that they were definitely back like where they were like because all of yeah, these friends they were, were yeah. they were original oh, the original yeah. Yeah. it would make more what you're saying would make more sense <laughs> because I think as I mentioned in the original recording having a fake sanctuary doesn't sound like a sound business proposition let's listen to his description <laughs> I'm also confused like he has graduated from being poaching his own animals to like now he runs what a fake sanctuary and people who can't handle the animals bring them to him but then i'm like that seems like a recipe for going legit by accident to me (laughs) like oh i have to have some animals around for show i can't kill all of them so otherwise no one will bring me any animals unless he knows someone who's really good at animatronics i mean yeah is Uh is he in league with rick baker you're right, Bob. Good point. It does just turn into a regular sanctuary. <laughs> I, I like to think that they just took the $4 to buy the the sign for the sanctuary. It looks very much like Salute Your Shorts, like summer camp style yeah. sign. And they're just like, eh, it's just on the mountain, but we've got a sign now, so poachers aren't going to come. Oh, and poachers do poach out of sanctuaries. They definitely do. For surezies. They know they're there. Right, exactly. All it's right, like, guys. Oh, they put a sign up. We got to we gotta wrap this up. So, would this movie be improved by a prison riot? Zoo Riot. Zoo Riot. Yeah. Pretty much the same thing. Because we are sort of alluded to that Joe has a magical connection with other animals when he, like, gets the thumbs up from the leopard. So it could have been easy for him to, like, rally and be the... Did you ever read the children's book Goodnight Gorilla? Like, he could get all of the other animals to follow him. I think that would have been awesome. Yeah. So, missed opportunity. And who is Keanu? So... The jokester in me is like, there's a moment in the chase scene where there's a person sitting in the car who's like, come on, have you never seen an accident before? Because he's mad that people aren't moving on the road. He's oblivious to the 15 foot ape. Yeah. (laughs) Somehow. And I think it would be funny to put Keanu in that, but I think realistically I would like to see him as the head of the foundation because I just think he would be fun in that role. slick. Yeah. Yeah. And also like he's got, he's got the face that would get the society ladies to give generously to his cause. Yeah, he would. (laughs) So I was thinking that he would replace Bill Paxton because I think Bill Paxton is miscast. I want him to replace Bill Paxton primarily because the age-inappropriate part of it. Right, exactly. Yeah. Also, I think we talked about, like, Bill Paxton is not as, like, full of hope as a character. Like, he has a a cynicism to him as a performer that's sort of like... Which could have been useful in the character, but isn't. Right. Like they could have written the character better suited to Bill Paxton's general smarminess, yeah. mm-hmm. but they a, didn't. He does a relatively good job of being dashing. Uh, he does do the 
strained Wayne <laughs> noise that Bill Paxton does, where he thinks he's getting the better of someone. Oh, you think you know this? Well, here's what I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I was glad to hear that get used. So I, I think I would do Guy in Traffic. Oblivious Guy in Traffic would be my Keanu. I would like to see Keanu as both of the, the, the bumbling stoner guys <laughs> as twin brothers. And there's a sort of Bill and Ted kind of thing where he's just like, oh man, we found these this jingle jangle. I feel like, yeah, Whoa. Disney could like use its strength of parent trap style of being like, oh, yeah. we've got mirrors. We'll have to do this Social one. network style. Yeah. Yes. Same actor, different characters. Love it. Now let's rank it. Oh, wait. No, Justin has to talk about old people reviewing this movie oh, on IMDb. Oh, there, so there was one review that very much... There was one... That, that, for some reason, lots of elderly people reviewed this movie on IMDb. A few people were like, I saw the original in theaters in 1939. <laughs> and, I think it was 49, but still. Oh, yeah, still yeah. pretty pretty long time ago. A long time ago. And then one of them said, you know, I especially liked Charlize in this role because she reminded me of my daughter, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to that guy. <laughs> Shout out to Karen. Yeah, hey, Karen. You're doing good, Karen. Also, like, I just like, because I always think of internet commenters as the worst people that this earth has ever produced, usually. <laughs> but to think that it's just like, I love movies about giant gorillas and my daughter, yeah. Karen. <laughs> Like, that's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> there, and there were a, a lot of them were from the time that it came out, so they were fresh. You know, they didn't have a lot of time to really think about it and <laughs> talk about it extensively. Not like podcast. this. <laughs> Not like the second recording of an hour-long podcast. Yeah. We've talked about this movie for longer than the movie is. That is true. Okay, so our rankings. I'm putting this between Bagger Vance and Trapped, and much like your head in the clouds, this is now going to be my pivot point for my recommendation threshold. If you like goofy, dumb, appropriately emotive monster adventure movies, you should totally, totally spend an hour and a half watching this. Uh, if not, you can skip it. I'm putting this just below Head in the Clouds because I loved Head in the Clouds, <laughs> but this is actually also now my recommendation threshold with the caveat. Like with Head in the Clouds, it's like, if you like romantic melodrama, you have to watch this. And this is more like if you like goofy adventure movies, or if you are in the vicinity of an 8 to 12 year old <laughs> child, or even like probably 6 to 12 Right. I would have loved this movie when oh, I was yeah. 8 or 10. Oh, yeah. Like, I would have just thought it was the coolest. I actually literally thought, like, oh, next time I'm hanging out with my nieces, I'll make them watch this. My nephews are too young. <laughs> They'll get there. One day. Uh, I am going to put this below Snow White and the Huntsman and above that thing you do. So, we are all putting this relatively in the middle. Yeah. And I'll, you'll hear about my ratings another time. <laughs> dun, dun, dun! <laughs> all right, so... Justin, so much for coming to record twice. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> Where can the pleasure. people find you? You can find me on Instagram at, at armpit. You can catch me at bonus days with my team SideQuest, featuring Regina on Sundays at 7pm Sunday, Sunday. at Arcade Comedy Theater. But uh, not check until next listings. month yeah. because it's currently dark so that we can move to a new big space. What? 2,000 pound, 15 foot space. Yeah. <laughs> we raised the money at a burning fun fair. I've got money for a theater. So thanks so much for listening. Thank you to Alex Reed for our theme song and for being a great dude. Thanks to High on Film for being a wonderful, fun podcast, good guys, good friends, and for answering our question about the L.A. River. Friendship on the line. Most importantly. Thank, thank you, Charlie. 
Charlize. 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 Happy, huh, Joe? That makes me so happy.